Hello there and Happy New Year to you. You may have noticed that we are taking a bit of a break from recording new podcast episodes at the moment. We will be back, but in the meantime, here is a little treat for you. It's a short story we originally published in issue 10 of Firewords, which is still available from our website, by the way. And it's called Curiosity Colorado by Beth Lincoln. It's read in the smooth Canadian tones of our friend Daniel Aaronworth. So sit back and enjoy. Curiosity, Colorado. Written by Beth Lincoln. A young couple stood at the edge of a ravine. The man shielded his eyes against the sun. The woman rested one hand on her pregnant belly. It was hot outside, and the wind kicked up a little dry dust that played about the woman's ankles. She shifted impatiently from one foot to the other, balancing her weight while she waited for the man to finish staring. He was a long time. Carl watched them over his shoulder, chewing his pancakes. What'd you think? he asked. Lou glanced at Bartholomew, fastidiously cleaning himself on the vinyl stool beside Carl. Barty seemed unperturbed, but then cats always did. Lou put on a fresh pot of coffee. The bell above the door tinkled. The woman made a beeline for the stool opposite Lou, struggling to haul herself up. Oh, ma'am, wouldn't you rather a booth? asked Lou. Nah, I like to sit at the counter, said the woman brightly. Her boyfriend, or husband, Lou spotted rings, helped her to her perch. She smoothed her skirt over brown knees flecked pale with dust and blew hair from her face. You look about ready to pop, said Lou. The woman laughed. Her name was Angelique, and her husband was David. She told their story in quick, expressive bursts, much of it with her hands and eyebrows. They were driving from outside Topeka to Flagstaff, Arizona, where they had bought their first house. The baby was due in a few weeks. They were bright with their love for each other. When David spoke, his hand settled briefly on his wife's arm, then her back, steadying her. Lou fetched Angelique a big and tall breakfast with extra bacon and a cheese omelet for David, coffee on the house. As Angelique exclaimed over her eggs, David glanced repeatedly over his shoulder at the ravine. They chattered to Lou and Carl as they ate, going over the shared lore of their relationship, the tornado on their wedding day, their disastrous first date. Carl shared with them his salt and pepper wisdom and pictures of his grandkids, and Lou hoped that maybe they'd been wrong, that they'd pay their bill with a decent tip and leave with their fingers still knotted together. She ducked into the back for a spare thermos anyway. When she returned, David was asking Carl about the ravine. Doesn't it make living here difficult, having the town divided like that? Oh, sure, they said. They'd all had occasions when they'd been late for work on the other side, hit a road closure or a traffic pileup 
and had to skirt around to a different bridge. But the town had tended to twin as it evolved. There was a grocery store in East Curiosity and one in West, a police station on either side, things like that. Lou maintained that West Curiosity had the best diner. Mostly, they just worked around the huge tear in the center of their town. Mid-conversation, David slipped from his stool and wandered over to the window. Bartholomew purred shamelessly on the counter as Angelique scratched his ears. Lou watched her fingers carve smooth channels in his fur. Neither of us could see the bottom, could we, Ange? Lou began to rinse out the thermos. It was easier with Carl here. The responsibility was split between them, each carrying one end of the scenario as they moved it where it wanted to go. It was too dark, Angelique said, or narrow. Is there a river? We don't know. If there was one, it didn't join up with any others in the area. Lou supposed it could go underground. They thought they heard water sometimes. She knew something blossomed down there. The ravine exhaled pollen in the summer, and her allergies acted up if she stood too close. Do you do tours? asked David. His leg twitched restlessly. On still nights, they heard voices. We're not much of a tourist trap. Angelique laughed. Oh, God, on our way here, we found the weirdest little roadside museum. I needed the bathroom because, well, pregnant. So we had to stop, and this guy... So you don't know what's at the bottom, interrupted David. Sorry? Lou's back was to him. But she could see his reflection in the chrome front of the old coffee maker, wrapped long and thin. When I asked what was at the bottom... You said you didn't know. It can't be that deep. His voice was oddly agitated. David, Angelique frowned. That's not the problem, said Carl. Well, people must have gone down there, right? Sure. So, what did they say? Carl took a measured sip of his coffee. The few scattered customers that had been there when David and Angelique arrived had already left discreetly. There was only Lou and Carl. And Bartholomew. A horrible gagging noise came from the little cat, startling Angelique. The cat retched and retched, his ears flattened against his skull, ribs and stomach heaving beneath his fur. Angelique pressed her fingers to her mouth. Bartholomew finally coughed up a huge fist-sized clot of hair, shuddered, and collapsed on the counter. Angelique put out a hand and tentatively touched his fur. Oh, God, she said. Ma'am, Lou, I think he's dead. Lou nodded. Gently, she reached beneath Bartholomew's little body and lifted him onto his bed. He'll be okay, she gestured at the hairball. That's for you, she said to David. David stared glassy-eyed at the dead cat. What? Go on, son, said Carl. David looked between Lou and Carl again, 
hesitant, but he pried apart the wet mass with his fingers, pressing his face into his shoulder at the smell. He pulled from the center of the hairball a small, damp strip of coiled paper, as you'd find in a fortune cookie. What does it say? asked Angelique. Out the corner of her eye, Lou saw Andy Hernandez pause outside the diner, spy the cat, the couple, and the hairball, and turn on his heel, shrugging apologetically. She didn't blame him. She'd done the same herself many times, in the library or the local bar, where the scene began to play itself out. She felt tired suddenly. David, said Angelique gently. David, hey, I think we should go, okay? David stared at the slip of paper. Lou swept the remnants of the hairball into a paper towel and threw it in the trash, spraying down the counter with Lysol. Does anyone around here sell climbing gear? asked David. Lou ran her hands under the tap. I think you need to get back in your car. She's right. You don't know the first thing about climbing. Angelique rubbed slow circles into her husband's shoulder. I'll manage. It's okay. Are you kidding me? What if you get hurt? David didn't respond, his gaze drifting past her and out of the window toward the ravine. Angelique grabbed at the slip of paper in his hand, but he shoved it in his pocket. She looked at Lou and Carl in confusion. David, said Carl quietly, please listen to your wife. I'm just going to have a look, said David. I'll be back before dark and we can carry on to Flagstaff. You won't be back, said Lou heavily. I am telling you this as a fact. We get a couple of people like you a year. They turn up, they see the ravine, and they get it into their heads that they need to see what's at the bottom. They don't come out. Oh my God, this, this is crazy, said Angelique. But you don't have to go in. You can just leave. David's fist closed around the paper in his pocket. But the cat ignore Barty. An animal doesn't know why it does what it does. He shook his head. You don't understand. No, of course she didn't. No one in town did. Whatever strange urge, whatever magnetism took them by the guts and pulled toward the ravine, none of the locals had ever felt it. A few in town had theories, but theories were worse than useless to Lou. There are some people who jettison themselves into space, or eat ghost chili peppers, or slice atoms apart. And there are some people who come to curiosity at a point along their journey and cannot continue. The ravine, a black hole into which they are inexorably pulled. She considered the usual options. They could knock David out and stuff him in his car. They could call the sheriff. 
they could lock David in the diner and try to talk some sense into him. But he'd just find a way out. She sighed and filled the thermos with coffee. Go to Jerry's. It's the hardware store down the street. Ask for the curiosity special. It'll give you a backpack, a rope, a torch, a whistle. It's a sort of survival pack he makes up. It's free. David nodded. And you won't need to climb. There's a staircase cut into either side of the ravine. No, we don't know who put them there, Lou said, cutting David off. But they stretch at least as far down as we can see on a bright day. She handed David the thermos in case he got cold, wherever he was going. Okay, said David. Okay. He was already breathless, thrumming with excitement. He turned to his wife, but Lou wasn't sure he saw her, really. I'll be back soon, he said. I promise. I love you. He gently pried Angelique's fingers from his shirt, kissed them, and was gone. Angelique sat back at the counter. She cried, and then she stopped. She and Lou began the long, thankless work of waiting. Eventually, Carl got up and bid his farewell. Lou made a mental note to send him a pie and a thank you note later. What happens to them? Angelique asked. We don't know. Nobody ever comes looking for them. No one reports them missing. I will, said Angelique. Lou didn't respond. Has anyone actually left? Just walked away? Some. Not many, but some. One woman had a young kid with her, and that was stronger, I think. Usually when people leave, it's because... Lou trailed off, wincing. Angelique rubbed the curve of her belly. He does love you, Lou said lamely. Yeah, said Angelique. The sky began to bruise. Lou brought Angelique a slice of pie that she pushed around her plate. She served the few customers she had, but they were quieter than usual, respectful. Most took their orders to go. At around seven, a shiver passed through Bartholomew. The fur all over the cat's body stood on end. Then he yawned, sat up, and stretched, flashing his claws. Angelique said nothing, just looked at the cat that had been dead a moment ago. Lou could see she understood. With effort, she levered herself off the stool. We're getting out of here, she said. I'll get help from the next town. I, I can't. I can't do anything like this. She gestured at her stomach, her sandals. Her eyes were wet and fierce. But I'll be back for him, I swear. Lou walked her to her car. Angelique wrenched open the driver's door and stood for a moment, staring into the ravine. I don't 
just don't understand. Whatever made him go down there? I don't feel it. Lou felt a pain. It could be nothing bad happened to them at all. Perhaps no one came back because what was down there was too wonderful to leave. She watched Angelique drive away. Somewhere outside the town limits, just before the highway, Angelique's hands would relax on the wheel. It would get harder to recall David's face. By the time she got a few miles out, all that would remain of their life together would be strapped to the roof of her car. The ravine would take everything else. Well, not everything. Maybe the little passenger inside Angelique would kick, and that would be enough. Maybe. What happened from here wasn't lose business.